five-day wilderness trip, and it was a fantastic experience. But one of the things that, I, that was really cool was our a guide that we had. And what I loved about her is every morning, she would actually sit down, she'd take two of our students, and she actually trained them in how to read a map and how to use the compass and let them actually lead our trip. She never led, ever, but she always trained two kids on how to do that. And up in the Upper Peninsula, it's part of the Blue Diamond Trail. Anybody know about the Blue Diamond Trail? Okay, nobody? So the Blue Diamond Trail actually goes in the Upper Peninsula and then all the way over east into the United States. It's huge. But how it works is it's like this. You will see a diamond, a blue diamond about this big on a tree. And then you just walk. There are no trails. There's no way for sure to know where you're going, but you knew the blue diamond was pointing this way, so you just keep walking, and then you have to go about, I don't know, it's anywhere, it seemed like anywhere about 30 to 50 yards, and then there'd be another blue diamond on the tree. And so if you knew you found the next blue diamond, you're like, okay. And then they'd lead you, right, and the kids had their maps out and their compass, and they'd lead us, and we kept trying to find blue diamonds. Well, on like our third day, people are starting to get a little cocky, a little confident, and we're cranking through the afternoon, and I'm just back in the back hanging out, because she told me, actually, before we started, she goes, I don't want you to help at all. You just hang in the back, and you let your kids lead. So I'm in the back, I'm hanging out with some kids, I'm having a blast, and then all of a sudden, somebody asks, hey, has anybody seen a blue diamond lately? And the two kids who are leading it, but the front, oh, you could just see their eyes got about this big because they just started having fun and enjoying each other and they totally forgot that they were leading this thing. And so we looked at each other and we're like, nobody had seen a blue diamond. And so next thing you know, man, we are wandering aimlessly now everywhere in these thick Michigan woods trying to find our way, trying to find our blue diamond. Now, I'll be honest with you, the whole time that the kids are frantic and they're searching and I'm just watching, I am totally at peace inside. You know why? Why? No, I don't know where the diamond is. <laughs> I had no idea where the diamond was. Because I knew we had a guide. And I knew, I just sat there, I'm like, you know, this is great. The kids are lost, that's cool. I'm lost, I don't have any idea. She told me to be lost, so I'm doing my job. But... We have a guide. And because we had that, I was totally cool. Now, when we had, got to our, finally we did find our balloon diamond and we got to our next camping place. That night we were sitting around the fire and the kids were, you know, cooking all the meal and everything. And she sat down next to me and she goes, <clears throat> I'll just be honest with you. She goes, I actually was pretty scared out there today. <laughs> because she didn't even know where we were, man. And that's when I started freaking out. Okay, so here's the deal. In our life, We are constantly seeking and looking and trying to find our way. And we also are doing that with God. And so much of the time, what we've been talking about here is that there actually is an an, an offer from God that you can be on an adventure with Him. And I'm really excited about today's message because I do know this, that most of us, even those of us who've said, I'm on the adventure and I believe in God, struggle sometimes to feel like we're really actually walking with him. And many times God feels way out there instead of intimate and close like he wanted to be. So, so again, let me just recap really quick. In the first week, we, ta- we just defined what the adventure was. And the adventure, you guys, is God. 
The coolest thing about everything that we experience in this created world is just something that's a taste. It's something that points us to the deeper reality, which is God. And he offers us the fullness. We were actually created for him. And here's the key. Personal knowledge, actually having an intimate relationship with God is the adventure. That is what brings us life. So then the second week, we talked about, okay, so if you're going to go on the adventure, you've got to take a first step. And we realized that for some reason, every human being loves to go after everything else <laughs> instead of God. And we look to jobs, and we look to people and relationships, and we look to stuff, and we look to so many things on this planet to fulfill us. And then what we realized is because we came way over here, and we started living in ways that were completely opposite of what God wanted us to do, we got separated from him. And that the only way that we could be brought back into the adventure, brought back into the intimacy of having a relationship with God, is we had to get this stuff over here, which is called sin, (laughs) forgiven. So Jesus takes the step. He comes to us. We don't try to get to God. Jesus comes to us, and our first step is literally, simply putting our faith in Christ and receiving forgiveness and then receiving his very life inside of us. That's the first step. And then last week, we talked about the confidence that one of the greatest things you know is you go on this adventure with God. There will be lots of things that are going to shake your confidence. You're going to, there are going to be things that you do. There are going to be things around you in this world that are going to be constantly working against you to make you think that you don't really have a relationship with God. And we talked about last week, that's just simply not the case. All right? So now today, what I want to talk with you is this. How then do we actually live this out? How do I not just believe in God and believe in Christ and receive him into my life? The whole point of Jesus Christ coming was so that you and I could live intimately in a real dynamic relationship with him. So the question is, how do you do that with someone you can't see? And how do you do that with someone that you can't hear? Pretty crazy. And that's where we go to this sweet gift. Acts 5.38 says, when you repent, which just means when you turn, when you were going down this way, when you finally repented, turn towards God. And then it says, when you get baptized, he goes, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin, he says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here's what's awesome today, you guys. If you have put your faith in Christ, you're not alone. You are not alone. And that's what, in that video, that guy was out there all by himself trying to figure out what he's supposed to do with his life. And what I can't sh- wait to share with you today is you're not alone. There is not one moment, one second of any day ever, once you have received Christ, once you put your faith in Christ, that the living God is not with you. He is always with you. But here's what I know. We as human beings struggle to know how to incorporate that into our life. And we still live so much of our existence in a practical reality of being separated from God. We're still trying to be good enough. We're still trying to figure out what we're supposed to do with our life. And what I can't wait to share with you today is the truth is you have a guide. You have someone who's living inside of you to walk you through this thing. All right? So let's pray. And then we're going to talk about who this Holy Spirit is and how we can experience such a great intimacy with God. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much 
for this series. Thanks for this chance to remember the greatest news in all the world. And that is that you love us deeply. You love us crazily. You love us perfectly. And because of that love, God, you've done everything that's necessary to bring us back into a relationship with you. And so, Lord, I'm just asking now today for what I'm even going to teach about. And that is that you, through your spirit, would come into this place and that you would just help me to communicate clearly. And may you, though, God, really actually speak to people's hearts and to minds today. God, may we walk out of here today with, again, a greater confidence that we can know you, that we can receive from you, that we can experience you, that we can sense you in our life. It's what we need and what's what we pray for. So God, have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now, here's what's interesting. Growing up in the church, um, there was a, the Holy Spirit was actually talked about just a little bit. And I think when most people think about God, they don't have a problem. Like for some reason, God the Father, we go, okay, we get it. There's a big God out there. And then in Christianity, you talk about God, Jesus Christ, that he was divine and he was God in the flesh. And, and it's a miraculous thing, but it, the whole center of our faith is all about Jesus Christ. So people go, okay, I get that. But then you throw in this Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, at least when I grew up, the Holy Spirit was kind of almost like, oh, yeah, and then there's this other guy on the shelf. And, and so you just kind of went through your existence without really understanding who the Holy Spirit is. And I would say for many of you in here, and here's the other thing, I think there's also a lot of really goofy stuff that gets said about the Holy Spirit that isn't true. But I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit is your source. It is God's presence with you. All right? So that's what I'm going to do. The first thing is let's just go through. Let me just teach you a little bit about the, who the Holy Spirit is, okay? So again, if you want to grab your programs and your pens um, and, uh, as well, for all of you guys, get ready. Because if you're in a base camp group, um, this will be what you're discussing this week and excited about the opportunity to dig in deeper from what the stuff, from the information I'll share with you this morning. The first thing is this, and that is that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. At the end of his days, Jesus was talking to his disciples. And if you can imagine, Jesus just spent three years with these guys. They gave up everything they had to follow him. They believed in him. He was their life, their whole hope. And now he's trying to let them know, I'm going to be leaving you soon. And he says this in John 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. And he will be with you forever. See, Jesus was saying, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to die, and I'm going to go. But when I go, he says, I'm going to give you somebody who will be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. See, now, a couple just really important things. If you can go back to uh, verse uh, 16. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. And another, that, that word advocate, you guys, is a very deep, intricate meaning. It literally means just to come alongside. So Jesus was saying, I'm going to give you somebody who's going to come alongside you. Sometimes the word is translated helper. Sometimes it's translated counselor. And here it's an advocate. It simply means there, Jesus says, I have been with you. I'm leaving. 
I'm going to give you somebody else, and he will come by your side forever. It's awesome. Now, the other thing that you'll hear is sometimes people talk about the Spirit and the Holy Spirit, and they'll use the, like it. Like there's this energy, or there's a source, or the Spirit is this kind of ominous thing. But you'll notice every time Jesus mentions the Spirit, he uses a personal pronoun. He talks about him and him and he, which is really important because, again, what we're talking about here, you guys, everything that Jesus came to help us to realize is that life is all about having a relationship with a living God. So the Spirit of God that Jesus gives is a person. He is personal. He speaks. He moves. He guides. He's in our life. And he, Jesus says, I'm going to give you another And what's important, I remember the first time I heard this, which was really interesting, it's another meaning of the same kind. Another advocate, just like me, is what Jesus says. So, the Holy Spirit is God. Let me just give you a couple other verses. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, which I love, says, now the Lord is the Spirit. He doesn't get any more clear than that. He's defining who is the Spirit. The Spirit is the Lord. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I'm telling you, man, this is a great verse. Hold on to this one and latch on to this because what God wants to do is to set you and I free. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Spirit is God. And last one, Romans 8. Oh, guys remember that? You guys remember Romans 8? Anybody? Anybody read Romans 8 this week? All right. This is a great passage. Here's what it says in the middle. You are not controlled by your sinful nature any longer. That's this stuff right here. Remember this? Remember when I was talking about how there's something inside of you that just put, in the scripture says, it actually drags you. You have a nature that drags you into here. He says, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, this is very interesting, that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Christ lives in you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living inside of you. Now, may I want you to write down this verse, because this is one you're going to have to go back to, Romans 8, 9 through 11. But if you notice in this passage, the, 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 the words that are given to define, it says the Spirit, and then it says the Spirit of God, and then it says the Spirit of Christ, and then he says Christ. See, What he's trying to help us to understand here is one of the greatest mysteries in all of our understanding of who God is. And that is Jesus made some things very clear. Right before he said, he left, he said, I want you to baptize, I want you to go and make disciples, go and help people come to follow me, teach them to obey everything I've commanded them. And then he says, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is this unbelievably beautiful, to be honest with you, doctrine in the Christian faith called the Trinity. So I'm just going to, in the next minute, help you to understand what the Trinity is, okay? Okay. Yeah, somebody says. <laughs> Kidding. Go for it. Yeah, nice try. That was a joke, so thanks for laughing. All right. But, but here's what I want to tell you. The Bible makes it very clear, though, 
that God in his nature is love. We've already, God is love. You guys went through that in your first book. And so what we understand is it is impossible to be love unless there's someone to love. And so what we understand from the scriptures is God teaches us in the very essence of God are three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who have the same essence. There, the Bible has always taught there is only one God. There's only one God. But he exists in three persons of the same essence. There is an amazing unity within the very nature of God. And you guys, and that's why, and it's so crazy, because you can go all the way back to Genesis, the first chapter of the Bible, and it says, let us make man in our image. Very interesting. Now, if you read the rest of the Old Testament, you will see that it was adamant that everyone knew that there is only one God, only one God. And if you think about it, if, if they were so clear that there was only one God, wouldn't, they, wouldn't you think that maybe the Israelites would have gone back and go, hey, we got to change that first chapter because it says our But they never said, they never did that. That's because somehow in the mystery of God, and I want to tell you guys, this is part of what helps me to actually believe in the Christian faith, is because the description of this God is beyond our ability to understand. Every other God that's created is a God that makes sense to the human mind. I am so grateful that our God is beyond that. But here's what he says, let us make him in our image. And how interesting that now every single one of us longs for relationship. I say this all the time here. The worst punishment in a prison is to put someone where? In solitary confinement. Because human beings were made in the image of God. And the image of God is a relational being who loves. And so the third person of this trinity, you guys, is the Holy Spirit and he's God. So that's the first thing you need to understand. How, can I just tell you, if, if you're sitting here going, okay, that's not enough for me. Um, go back on our website, and you can go to February 20th. February 20th, I gave a full message on the Holy Spirit or, and on the Trinity. So if this is a, something that just kind of wigs you out and you want more information, go to our website and listen to the message on February 20th of 2011. Sorry, February 20th, 2011. All right? So the Holy Spirit is God. Here's the second part, and this is so amazing. And the Holy Spirit lives in you. For eight years here at K2 the Church, I greatest desire for every single one of you, and the only reason we even exist, is I so want you to know God personally. That's life. And here's the promise, that the Holy Spirit, God, actually lives in you. So that's what Jesus said in John 14. He said, the world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. Why? Because he lives with you and will be in you. God, through his spirit, because you are a spiritual being, more than just a physical being, God is spirit and his spirit comes and actually lives in you. And look at this, Romans 8, it says it over and over and over again. You're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, this is so crazy, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives 
in you. Do you guys, you guys, do you grasp how awesome that is? I know it's early. I know it's early. But I'm telling you, man, every time I've read that verse for the last 20 years, I'm going, are you kidding me? The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in me. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. I got to count how many times he says that and give it to second service. It's crazy. In just two verses. You guys see, he's trying to get a point across. When you received Christ, the spirit of the very God who's beyond everything in this world is somehow so intimately connected to you that he lives in you. The most intimate, and it's an intimate relationship I have on this planet is with that woman right over there. I don't know any of you like I know her. And nobody knows, she knows me like nobody else. But is Susie in me? No, that would be no. She's not. She's not. She's not. That's how intimate God wants to be with us, and it's unbelievable. And you guys, once you realize this, this is the mystery. Actually, in Colossians it says, this is the mystery that's been hidden for ages. And God decided to make it known that among you, the glorious riches of this mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You guys, the whole hope of being able to live a life free from everything else that we walk through that that never satisfies you, that always lets you down, that can be gone in an instant, the freedom from living in relationships that continue to destruct and to living in ways that constantly bring your own heart into empty places and despair, the freedom from all that, the hope instead of living a life with God is this, that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. Oh my gosh, this is just crazy good. And what's so cool, as we learn, he says what? Because once you have this, he goes, you're not controlled by your sinful nature. Without the Spirit of God inside of you, human nature is always going to go this way. And there's actually something inside of you. We talked about this. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? Why don't I do the things I want to do? Because you have a nature inside of you that's controlling you. But the verse here says, not anymore. Once the Spirit of God gets inside of you, now He starts to control you, and He's the one who actually empowers you to take this path instead of that path. And it's it's one of the ways where I just said it's crazy that all of a sudden, once I gave my life to Christ, I started to want the things of God. That's Where'd that come from? (laughs) You know, because some of you are sitting there right now, you're like, this scares me to death to actually give my life to God because I really actually like all this stuff. I don't want to go with God, but I want God, but I don't want, right? And once you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit starts to change your heart where you actually start to want the things that are of God and you start to not want the things that were destroying your life before. It's an amazing gift, amazing gift. So this week in base camp, when you, when you go through this book this week in your base camp groups, you're going to discover these four things that were, and I'm not going to talk about them here, well, a little bit, but he enlightens you, the Spirit changes you, the Spirit leads you, and the Spirit warns you. You guys, there is a power that God gives you once you receive Christ so that you can actually live the life that he's created you to live. The Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit lives inside you. 
Now here's the key thing. Here's the third point. Is you receive the Holy Spirit by faith. Now if you notice in that verse in Romans, it says, if the Spirit of God is living inside of you. See, there are, and some of us are sitting there, and you, you, some of you are here today, and you're sitting there and you go, you know what? I don't feel led by God's Spirit. I don't really actually want the things of God. There's still this stuff inside of me. And I, why, why is that? Well, because he says there actually is a moment in time. How does the Holy Spirit of God actually come inside my life? Well, look at this. Galatians 3.2 says this. Let me ask you just one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. You received the Spirit when you believed in the message about Christ. You guys, this is the greatest thing. In, in, I, I read you the verse earlier in Acts 3. It says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying here is you don't work for it. You don't try to get religious enough. It's not like earning a letter jacket, right? If you do enough, I'll give you this Holy Spirit. He goes, no, all you got to do as soon as you put your faith in me, as soon as you realize you were over here, separated from me by sin, and as soon as you heard the message that Jesus came to reconcile you, to forgive you of all of your sin and to bring you back to, to me, as soon as you said, I believe that and I trust that, Jesus in many of you came down on that day. And you said on that day, I am going to receive, I believe in Christ, that he died for my sins, and I'm going to ask him to come into my life. And what's crazy is God says, as soon as you believed, as soon as you put your faith in me, he goes, I gave you the gift of my spirit. And you guys, every one of you in this room who has put your faith in Christ, you need to know. You have received the greatest gift. I can't wait. Sometime, I think next year, sometime, I want to do a series on how rich you really are. Because I know, I don't know, anybody feel rich? I don't feel rich. But when I read the Bible, it says, I am so rich, it's crazy. Because I received an inheritance. You know what the inheritance was? The Holy Spirit of God. That's crazy good. Here's another verse. Ephesians 1.13. You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. As soon as you believed, you were marked with a seal. Now, we don't, a, a seal <laughs> is really a, a symbol of ownership. That's what that was. A seal says, you are mine. So it is important for you to understand how do you actually receive the Holy Spirit? Not by trying to be a good person, not by going to church, not by being religious and doing lots of good things, but as soon as you humble yourself and stop pursuing everything else and instead say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God and I need you to forgive me of my sin and I'm asking you to come in. In that moment, as soon as you put your faith in him, God makes you his kid. He puts his spirit inside of you and he will never leave you again. That's awesome. All right. Now the last thing I need to teach you is this. Then if the spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living inside of me, then don't, I don't know about you, but don't you guys feel like, where, then where's the life? Right? Because one of, the, one of the things the Bible says is the Spirit will produce this type of fruit in you. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. 
And so the whole point is this. God, once his spirit comes inside of you, he wants to empower you to live a life like that. He wants to keep you connected to himself because your life is being in relationship with him. So what we need to understand is this. Even though I receive the spirit and even though I'm his kid, the last point is this. You need to keep in step with the spirit by faith. We can actually have the spirit inside of us but we can make decisions that help us to actually kind of, as the Bible says, quench the fire of the Spirit. We can actually do that. Or we can grieve the Spirit of God. So it's not like I don't become his, I, I stop being his kid, but there's a fellowship that's broken. I can actually walk away from God. So how do you keep in step with the Spirit? How, as followers of Christ, this is the adventure, you guys, right here. How do you stop doing this? As a true follower of Christ and have the power to go here, look at this, Galatians 3, 3 through 5. How foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Isn't that wild? Like, you received Christ totally by faith, and now you're like, oh, that was awesome. Okay, now I gotta do this thing, right? He goes, what, what, why are you doing that? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? And then he goes, I ask you again, listen to this. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message that you heard about Christ. You know how you and I experience God on a daily basis? How does God get into my marriage This is crazy talk. When I talk to so many people and do premarital with everybody and even my own staff and saying, can I just ask you, all of you who are Christians, is God through his spirit in your marriage? Is love and joy and peace and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and a servant heart being expressed in your marriage? How do you do this with your kids? How do you be like this out in the workplace when you're constantly bombarded with temptation to be unfaithful and to do things that aren't ethical? How do you you maintain and still be free from the stuff that's trying to pull you away to say, I know there's this God thing, but this stuff will really satisfy you. This stuff, if you do this, it'll make you feel a whole lot better. How do you keep off this path and stay with God? And he simply says, you don't do that by trying to be good and trying to be religious. He says, you do it by how does God give you his spirit? He gives you his spirit because you believe. And I just, I just want to tell you, we're going to actually give you an exercise here. I'm going to lead you through a time this morning to try to help you to understand what this is like. God gives me, I know this about myself. I know that I have the spirit of God inside of me. But I also know that every single day I get to choose whether I'm going to keep in step with him or not. And here's what's crazy, is God wants to continue to give me. God wants to continue to give me his spirit. There's a great verse, Ephesians 5.18 says this, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what that verse says, when it says be filled with the Spirit of God, you guys, it means continually be filled. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual filling of His Spirit. And here's what I realize, is I stay connected to God 
when I trust him. I stay connected to God when I believe in him and cling to him by my faith. When I love him with all my heart. When I do that, I stay connected to God. It's almost like this, you guys. In in John 3, you're going to read this in your base camp book this week. John 3 says that the spirit is like the wind. And that anyone who's actually born of God will experience the spirit being like a wind. And you know, and here's, so here we are. It's like we all are in this little boat, okay? And the wind's blowing. But if you're not believing, if you're not trusting in him, then it's like you don't have your sail up. And so the wind's blowing, but your boat is being thrown back and forth by the waves. But every time you say, you know what? No, God, I'm going to believe you and I'm going to trust you. It's like you just hoisted your sail. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Not so much pouring water into a container as much as having a sail be filled with the wind that will empower you and move you to stay connected to God. All right? So now how do we do this? There's basically two things that I'm going to talk you through. There's more in your base camp book this week, but today I want to help you realize there's just two things that the Holy Spirit is going to do for you. Because there's two ways that we get out of step with God. Okay? There's two ways that we get disconnected from Him. And the first one is this, is when we say yes to things that are not of God. When we go to other things that God has said, I don't want you to do this. When you're full of anger, when you won't forgive, when you lie, when you steal. I mean, the list is ridiculous. It's long. I'm not going to get into it. But every time that you and I take a step outside of what God wants us to do, here's what's so cool. You actually start to lose the power, the wind in your sails. But here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit's job, the Bible tells us, is as soon as we step over and outside of God's path, if you're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit will convict you immediately of your sin. Anybody felt that? Okay. And you know what? It's a big difference between guilt and conviction. You guys will have to talk about that in your book. The gift of the Spirit of God is that as soon as you get away from God, He will start to rise up within you in a gentle, loving kind way, but so strong, say, this is wrong. This is wrong. And you know what's crazy? Is in that moment, if you will believe him, if you will believe him, and if you will trust him in that moment, then what you'll do is you'll confess, which means to agree with him. You're right, this is wrong. You'll repent. You'll turn the other way. And the Bible says, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you. You know what happens? You were over here, and then immediately you can come right back into his path and fellowship with him by faith, believing in the gospel, which we talked about two weeks ago. Okay? So one way you get separated is you do what he doesn't want you to do. But the Holy Spirit comes, he convicts you, so you can get right back on track with him. Now here's a second way that we get separated from God. Is sometimes it's not because we're doing something he doesn't want us to do. Sometimes it's because we don't do what he wants us to do. I tell you, I don't have time. I could, I could tell you story after story where I've been walking with God and I feel like I'm in his spirit, man. I'm like, it's just awesome. And then he leads, I get this prompting. You guys ever had promptings that you get ideas, you get thoughts. You're like, you're supposed to, you feel like you're supposed to do something and it freaks you out. And I've had God just kind of say, the Holy Spirit kind of leads me and says, hey, Nelson, here's the next step for you. And I'm like, there ain't no way. 
And what I find is, it's almost like the Holy Spirit goes, boom, he takes the step, and I'm right back there, and he's going, well, come on. And if I go, ah, I find that the Holy Spirit goes, that's cool. I'll just stay right here. And when you're ready, you take the step, and then we'll keep going. And I know this, you guys. Many of you, as followers of Christ, stopped following because the leading that he led you to do got a little wiggy. And you know what happens? Your sail goes, you come to church, go to your small group, you try harder. I'll just do more, I'll do more. Doing more never hoists the sail back up. Some of you today, I know that the Spirit of God has been asking you to do something. And I'm telling you, as soon as you say, okay, the sail will rise back up and the Spirit will fill you up and you'll keep going on Him. You and I can know the Spirit of God. And when He leads you guys, He always leads us into life. Always leads us into life. Fullness of life for you, blessing everybody around you, and giving God honor with your life because you're actually doing what God wants to do. That's how Jesus lived his life. And that's why he was so beautiful.